fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, a.k.a. Hot Take Mondo, and I'm joined by my friend Reese, a.k.a. the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. And today we're joined by another special guest. That's right, your favorite, Sam Kuyper Jr. And today we're going to talk about the NFL draft. We're not going to specifically talk about the Chiefs. I think this NFL draft was one of the most fascinating drafts, and I don't want it to go to waste. I want us to talk about the draft and its totality in the drama, the smoke screens, the bad, the good, the ugly, the everything. So we're really excited today. Uh, but again, we're going to introduce our, our friend, Sam Kuyper Jr. Sam, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. You know, it's sometimes hit or miss after the draft, uh, how I'm doing based on my Vikings fanhood, but overall pretty feeling pretty good. Cool. So no, so no more like gray hairs from the Vikings draft. You were okay with what they did? Yeah, overall, I would say. Um, and, and we can get into it now or we can get into it later. But overall, I was I was pretty happy with what they did with, with their limited picks. All right. Solid, solid. So a good day for, for the Vikings. Reese, how are you doing? Let, wh- why don't we give you the floor for a, for a few minutes or a few hours? So Reese was actually at the draft. Um, I was very jealous the whole time. I was was waiting to see been waiting to see fallout boys for my whole life and and reese and reese gets the chance to see fallout boy uh reese the floor is yours how'd it go dude it was super fun so i'm gonna pre- uh, preface everything by saying that friend of the podcast who has not yet appeared on the show bears super fan brendan wood came down to kansas city this weekend and uh it was a good time he dressed up as mike ditka because he's a dude he's got like an inch on me he's like pretty yeah, like, he's tall yeah he's a he's a buff built dude and uh he had a bears sweater vest you know it said bears across the front he's got a mustache <laughs> it's a good stash game had his hair slicked back i mean he got a lot of people like ditka 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 and we went to city barrel and some dude from boston came over he's like hey man he's like i'm from boston but i lived in chicago you know for a long time and uh you know, I gotta tell you, like, the Ditka worship there is real, and he's gone on telling more and more. And it's funny, because, like, he actually got the nickname over the over the span of the evening as Skinny Ditka, just because, like, <laughs> that's what everyone called him, that's... like, yo, it's Skinny Ditka. <laughs> so... That, that can that can be taken a few ways. Oh no, yeah, I mean for sure, for sure. Uh, the only downside was we had to try to get him a cigar. We went to the Sinclair down on Main, uh, and they only sold like cigarellos. So we just like uh, he had American spirits instead of a, a cigar that I'm night. Just like but, threw up. Yeah, but the draft was a cool experience, man. So you you saw it on TV like the the Union Station stage up to the World War One Memorial where the, they usually have, you know, the Chiefs rallies and the Royals rallies and stuff. And then on top of the World War One Museum in that field, they had the NFL draft experience, you know, where you could, you know, they had many small museums, you know, like check out this locker we put together. It's got, you know, like uh, Lawrence Taylor's helmet and jersey and stuff. It's behind plexiglass, but it's cool. Uh, they had things, you know, where you could kick a field goal, time your 40 yard dash, that sort of thing. I didn't have time for that because I was busy throwing bows to get as close to the stage as I possibly could. And all things considered, we had a pretty good spot. I would say we were about two-thirds of the way down behind a speaker tower, which I don't know which network was doing it. It may have been NFL Network, like had a side analyst table, not the main one with the plexiglass, but it was like a side one that had like two analysts over to the side. And... uh yeah, it wasn't too loud, which it can be at concerts like that. And it was super cool. It was just packed, like fans of a bunch of teams there. Uh, we had we had this one guy, a uh, friend of the podcast, Lloyd. 
he he called me. He's like, hey, are you at the draft? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you, are you coming? And he's like, I mean, I, I maybe kind of, you know, I'm not I'm not huge on, you know, like giant crazy events like that, but I might come. So he came and then we were like tried playing Marco Polo to get him to where we were. And like we were taking photos and like, be like I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> and he never eventually found us. And I'm like, so you're going to come down? He goes, no, it's a one in, one out thing to get down to the field right now for the sake of capacity. He said, so I'm just going to go up here and like screw around and stuff. So he told me how like he ran a 40 yard dash against like a bunch of kids and their dad. And, like he kicked the field goal and all that stuff. And, and eventually later on in the night, he sends me this photo and he's like, got better seats. And he's all the way down in front, like right behind the seats part of the stage. And I'm like, how the heck did he get down there? And it turns out he was intercepted by a mutual friend of ours. And they were just like, screw it. Let's just walk down there. And they did. So we're like, well, there's eight picks to go. We got some time. Let's go down there. So I don't know if I sent you the photo, but for like the Chiefs pick, we were like right in front of the stage, basically. And, uh, you know, it was raucous. We started fighting fans and mosh pitting and throwing win you know, windmill roundhouse kicks and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah overall, it was, a, it was a cool experience. Was that the closest that you've ever been to Pat and Travis then? Pat and Travis weren't on stage when I was that close. Uh, uh, and technically, I could have thrown a football to either of them during the parade because I was like that close to the street. Right. But yeah, yeah, it was a it was a good event. Some recommendations for, you know, improving it in the future. But man, what a cool experience to be able to say, you know, I was able to check out the NFL draft in my new hometown, whatever Kansas City is technically. Oh, that's so cool, man. Well, yeah, congrats. I mean, overall, it seemed like Kansas City did a great job. Oh, yeah. Like the fans looked great on on NFL Live. Yeah. Um, I mean, it looked like super rowdy as well. I mean, in a good way, like like I think that some people might see Kansas City as like a nice town, not going to be crazy. Kind of like 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 Nashville's draft was very electric, mm -hmm. but like Nashville's not really like a sports town. Yeah. What I think, right? Nashville, no, it's a like, you're there for the music. Town. <laughs> right actually my my uh, brothers i think he's gonna have his bachelor party there and i was like why like you don't know anybody out there go to vegas anyway Seriously. that's another story for another day um but like kansas city like it's a sports town. it just felt it, it had a different vibe it wasn't like music electric it was like this is sport this is nfl this is like kansas city chiefs electric we're like of course nashville was not tennessee titans electric no so i thought that was a, i thought that was a big win for kansas city because like obviously we're on the map because of you know all the super bowls and like the Royals winning very recently as well but I think this also puts us on the map like Kansas City is a cool place but it's also like a great like sports town for sure and it came at the right time too because you know in this day and age there's a lot of you know these mid to small market cities across the country you know like your Charlottes your Nashvilles your Austins that are you know I'm just gonna say that they're more desirable places for a lot of fair reasons than Kansas City are you know be it uh you know, some people really like the liberal politics in those cities. You know, some people really like the landscape, you know, the mountains, those kind of things. They like the, you know, the giant bar bachelorette scene. You know, Kansas City doesn't have, you know, the country music stuff that Nashville has. But at the same time, the other side of that coin is you got your cities like your Memphises and your St. Louis. You're a lot of like Rust Belt cities that, you know, they're going the opposite way. You know, they're going downhill. They're losing people to some of these places. So... I'm glad that Kansas City is able to nab events like this and have a good showing so people can be like, yeah, that's a place I would move without wrecking their housing market and total economy. <laughs> Stay away, Coastal. Sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's funny. All right, cool. All right, so shout out Kansas City. We love Kansas City. Excellent job. Whoever was involved in setting that up, bravo. All right, so let's get to the draft. There's a lot of great stories in the draft, but what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I just made that up right now, so I don't really have like a, a bad or ugly segment, but I have a good and a bad segment. So we're going to go around right now, and let's talk about day one, day two, day three. So day one, we're just going to do like a little bounce off of each other. Um, I want you to pick, well, first we're going to talk about the best pick in day one. So not necessarily value because we're going to get to that, but like this player um, meets this team's needs and vice versa. This is going to be a great fit for this player and this team. And it could be value too. Uh, But overall, so let's start with you, Sam, since you're our guest. What was in day one? What was the best pick in day one? I would say, and, and you know, I'm, I'm kind of putting off some other options that I think might also be in, in the best value, just so we can talk about as many picks as possible. And I was going to say a caveat, a caveat, all three of us have to pick different ones. Oh, okay. So if you pick Sears, you got to pick another one. Sure. <laughs> well, well, Bryce Young. well I'll, I'll pick, um, I'll pick Devon Witherspoon because I think that he, Ooh. he was a guy who I think Detroit really wanted him. Um, he, he fit their culture and I think that they were really hoping that they were going to be able to draft him and that Seattle would bite on maybe a Jalen Carter or, or move back or, or do something else. But, um, Seattle, you know, my need for them was to go up in the interior and instead they're saying, Nope, we're going to build from, from the back to the front instead of from the front to the back. We, we nailed the Tariq Woolen pick from last year in the middle rounds and he's a quality starting corner and now we got another quality corner that's going to come in and play um, significant time right away uh, I really like that fit for for Seattle to go out and kind of get the bookend corners always need more corners in the NFL so I'm going to go with Witherspoon I think that that's a really good fit in Seattle yeah kind of to bounce off what you were saying like uh, at first I didn't really hear a lot of, of Witherspoon I was hearing a lot of Christian Gonzalez I was hearing a lot of Joey Porter Jr. and Witherspoon kind of like made his way in in fact didn't all of the Illinois uh, backfield get or like didn't all of them get drafted I think there's like three corners or even four corners got drafted Yeah, they are. I could be wrong but yeah. like it's a great it's a great school yeah they they Bielema really um, put together a really good secondary over there at Illinois. Quan Martin went, and uh, I think Sidney Brown was the other. Uh, I think he might he might have also gotten drafted. Um, so all those guys went. Um, real uh, solid players, well coached, and Witherspoon. I mean, his tape was some of the most fun to watch. He he lays some dudes out, even though he's not. Um, bigger than any of the guys he's hitting but he wants like 185 yeah 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 i know it's going to be really interesting in seattle because i I was thinking the same thing i was like well now they don't have anybody on their and their front seven like how are they going to address like the the trenches uh but i think what's also great is that you have jamal adams now that doesn't necessarily have to play like in the backfield he can now like press up while you have Tariq wallen and you have devin witherspoon in the back you can now put you know jamal adams kind of as this like buddha baker this this tyron matthew who can who can go and get the quarterback, which I think is going to be great for that Seattle defense. And I know that, you know, Pete Carroll's trying to go back to that, uh, whatever it was called, no fly zone or whatever the, the hell it boom. used to be. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, that one. Um, sorry. I'm not, I'm not a Seattle fan. Um, so yeah, so that's great. Yeah. I think that's a good pick. Reese, how about you? What is uh, what was the best pick in, in day one? You know, this was really tricky. Uh, 
Do you want me to pick who I think is the most fortunate player to be drafted in their position or in terms of like the team nabbing the best player? Um, how about the first? Let's go with like this is the best fit for that person. Uh, best fit for that person. Uh, I'm actually going to go down here a little ways and actually say that I think Zay Flowers to the Baltimore Ravens could be a really good pick. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of comps to Hollywood Brown, and like I see that in his game. He does seem like a better route runner with a bit more meat on his bones than Hollywood is. Uh, his route running was a little bit questionable coming into the draft, but if he wants to improvise on his routes a little bit more, I mean, heaven knows that if he can you know, find open space... Lamar Jackson back there dancing around enough to find time to to get him the ball. And I think it'll also take a little bit of pressure off him having to show up and be the savior of the franchise as a rookie as they have something old, OBJ, something new, Zay Flowers, and something that will beat you black and blue if it's true that Antonio Brown is coming back to the Ravens. No. So I, I'm not holding my breath on that. It's I smoke. Think that's, it's smoke. Yeah, I think that's a lot of hearsay, but... Yeah. It's but still draft point, smoke, post-draft smoke. Post draft smoke, baby. Uh, but it doesn't change the fact that Mark Andrews is still there. And I think they're hoping for a resurgent return of J.K. Pardon me, J.K. Dobbins, some other guys showing up in the backfield this year. So I think he's in a position where it, he can really make a name for himself with that team and can make the most of what he's been given in that opportunity. And, I mean, we know Harbaugh gets the best out of his young players. So I really like Zay Flowers of Baltimore. Yep. Uh, that, it- and it's it's a good point that he's not going to be, you know, with a lot of these guys. It's, hey, we're desperate for wide receivers. We need you to put up wide receiver one production from day one mm-hmm. with pretty much all of the guys who went round one. Um, because, you know, this was maybe not as strong of a wide receiver class. You see that run of receivers that happened from picks 20 to 24, those four guys that went, none of them are going to be asked to come in and be the number one receiver right right away. So I think that the Flowers, as well as those other guys, all are going to benefit from, hey, we can bring you in, we can give you um, something palatable from the start instead of saying, here's the weight of our franchise, please carry our passing game. 100%. Yeah, that was really interesting. When When's the last time that we've had a draft like that where the wide receivers like aren't going to be the star of the team right away i mean everyone right jsn uh flowers all all these guys the only one i can think of is like jonathan mingo who like but then you know they have Thielen, they have chark so i don't know i mean it's it's because like we talked about i think a couple weeks ago on this draft like there really isn't a true round one wide receiver in this draft and i mean i know people were kind of like you know tilting their head and kind of you know like "Eh, i think jackson smith and jig was a round one wide receiver i think and it's like yeah but if you put him in the class last year, it's like he's what? Maybe like the seventh or eighth best receiver in that group? Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't go that. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't go that far. But I do take your point that like there's five, no Jamar yeah. Chase. You know, there's no there's no Jalen right, Waddle. Right. There's no top tier quality, absolutely surefire top 10 wide receiver pick in this draft class. Yeah. Olave, London, yeah. list goes on. Right. That's a good point. Good point. Okay, so I'm I'm going to since my name is Hot Take Mondo, I'm going to be Hot Takey probably the whole night, um, and because I missed the last one too. Great podcast, by the way, everybody. I Thank like you. I liked uh, the podcast you guys do without me. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go Hot Takey right now. By the best pick, I think Anthony Richardson going to the okay. Indianapolis Colts. Okay, because I think 
there was there is no better fit for Anthony Richardson than to be with Shane Steichen. Like if you think of all the other situations of people that needed quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson is in a place where Shane Steichen has a proven record of success. Right? He he was on the Chargers staff with Justin Herbert, developed him. I don't know to what extent, but it it must have been something because then he goes to Philly and then he develops Jalen Hurts. Right? Both guys didn't come off the bat as very good seasons. Justin Herbert didn't have a great first season, neither did Jalen Hurts. But you know, Shane Steichen showed that he can develop both those guys, and those are both different types of quarterbacks. Where Anthony Richardson kind of has strokes of both, or he's kind of like a like Anthony Richardson at his peak can be Jalen Hurts 2.0. Like he he's a little bit faster and can also throw the ball way deeper than Jalen Hurts. And I, you know, a uh, cold snack take back that I said before, I didn't like Jalen Hurts, but after Super Bowls, like this this dude can play. All right. So so this is coming from Armando that actually thinks Jalen Hurts is a dog now, right? And like I just think that Anthony Richardson, there there was no other place where he can actually be successful. My my only tidbit and the reason why I also chose this so that we can have an open discussion about this is like how great can he be in this offense to me my only reservation what i've heard the past couple days is that shane steichen might start him day one and shane steichen has said in order for a quarterback to develop he needs game reps he didn't say he did say practice reps but he said that a quarterback needs game reps to improve which is true but i think that could be the achilles heel for him and for uh shane steichen so what did you guys think about that pick and kind of what i said there what if he starts day one um i, I can tell you, i'm glad i got this on film because uh rad rush and alex nikolenko went to the draft with me and uh skinny ditka and uh you know I, I was recording when the colts were making their pick i'll tell you what the place blew up when richardson was announced because I, I think it was all but believed at that point that it was going to be levis and I know in our group chat, you know, we've all been kind of like half ripping on Alex, being like, ha get ready for Levis, enjoy it. And Alex, you know, he's being a good sport. He's like, yeah, he's like, I'm looking forward to Levis. You know, Levis got some upside. But dude, the minute it was Richardson and not Levis, Alex lost his freaking mind. He's like, no way. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, dude, it's not Levis. Congratulations. So, no, it's, I, I think it's a, it's a good pick for Indianapolis. It's like you, your choices are you take Richardson with a top five pick now. Or you keep playing QB carousel over the next few years, and at worst, you get better and have less of a chance of finding that quarterback. So, yeah, I did. And also, did, did I see a stat that the, the Colts have had seven different quarterbacks in seven years, or maybe at least six quarterbacks in the last six years? It's at least like, six. Like, that, not an exaggeration. Yeah. That's crazy. Anyway, Sam, thoughts? I really, I mean, I was on record that I I liked Richardson maybe more than some other people did. I definitely liked him more than uh, Levis. In fact, my my beliefs were reflected by the Minnesota Vikings because the, all the intel from Vikings beat writers was, hey, the Vikings did a lot of homework in this quarterback market, and there were three guys that they liked that if Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or Anthony Richardson slipped, that they were going to jump at that opportunity um, if they could. And then all three guys went before the, they could feasibly move up. Um, but with Richardson, I think I think something that, that I need to do and that we need to do um, and that the media needs to do and Colts fans need to figure out is what are our expectations for this guy? Because it's easy to see pick four. Um, he's a top five pick. 
you, you see the measurables and you say, okay, we're going to get him in right away. And our expectations are that he's going to be a offensive rookie of the year candidate. But I think that adjusting expectations to say, hey, he might need to be Josh Allen, who Allen for the first you know season and a half ish was making a lot of mistakes, and we let him make those mistakes. The Bills let him go through those growing pains to become the awesome quarterback that he is today. So I'm a big fan of of Richardson. Uh, I've been saying throughout this process that I think he maybe should sit, but if they want to go with him uh, over over it's Minshew there, I think now as as their yeah. as their veteran, um, mm-hmm. then why mm-hmm. not? Because um, it's not like I, I'm picking the Colts to do much in the AFC anyway. So if it's going to be trial by fire, this is a good spot for him. Like Armando said, this is good coaching, and, and I think it's a, a really good fit. Yeah, solid. Okay, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm I actually like for the same reason, Sam. I think the opposite. I think because the Colts are going to be unsuccessful, that Gardner Minshew should start just so you know, just so Anthony Richardson can like get his practice reps at least and just understand you know that the that NFL speed is way different than college speed and like hopefully you know he doesn't because because I feel like not that the. Colts fan base is immature I feel like any fan base would be immature in the sense like if you know Anthony Richardson has four interceptions his very first game like he's done right like he's going to be roasted for the entire season so I think I think it would be better to go the Patrick Mahomes Alex Smith route you know learn like it, it like Patrick Mahomes is a professional like very intelligent just like Anthony Richardson but he needed time he needed time to understand sure. defenses he'd understand the playbook and so We'll see what happens there, but it's exciting. I've been really, really excited times there. Speaking about exciting, let's talk about excitingly bad picks. How about let's start, let's start with you now, Reese. Ugh. What was the worst pick of the first round? Oh, man. Um, you know, it's really tricky here. Uh th- What's so hard about this draft is that, like, it's such an unspectacular talent pool top to bottom. It's not bad, bad the way that 2012 was when the Chiefs had the first overall pick. And they're like, uh, yeah. oh, geez, I guess I guess we take, like, the best left tackle, which I use giant <laughs> air quotes on that. But, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what. One that stood out to me is the Detroit Lions taking Jameer Gibbs. Uh, maybe they already knew they were going to move DeAndre Swift before that happened, or they had an idea they're going to move DeAndre Swift. But it's just like I, okay, B. John Robinson, I get taking him in the first round because you know he's some once in a lifetime type prospect. Okay, cool, I get it. But Jameer Gibbs, like, kind of like catching his wake and just like skirting in on his coattails. Like, guess what? I'm a fringe top ten pick two now, and it's like really, that's your guy. Especially when I thought they were better prospects later in the draft if they wanted to replace the DeAndre Swift type like Deuce Vaughn got taken in what was it the fifth or sixth round it's like dude there's your like baby Darren Sproles right there so man for the Lions to trade around as they did all draft but in particular for this pick to take Jameer Gibbs uh, that's it's gonna be a no for me dog fair Sam, any any reaction to that and to the Jameer Gibbs pick? You know, I was uh, I was thinking whichever Lions pick Reese doesn't choose will be the one that I choose. So on <laughs> pick the check. <laughs> so so on Gibbs, I think you know picking uh, a, a running back in the top fifteen. Like, do I think that Jameer Gibbs 
it deserves to be picked in that spot based on past you know draft trends no i mean jonathan taylor was a second round pick and and i think that taylor was a better prospect than than gibbs is but you know detroit wants their guy and and they they must hate deandre swift and they couldn't be uh, more eager <laughs> to get rid of him so um it, it didn't shock me that one it, it did surprise me a little bit but again it's the it's the argument of is this is this a value position that we should be picking this high? My, I really like Gibbs as a player, and I really like the guy that I'm going to talk about, Jack Campbell, as a player. It just felt like Detroit picked guys in in the wrong order. Um, so instead of picking Jameer Gibbs at you know 18, um, where I think it would have been a little more palatable, um, they pick him at 12. And instead of picking Jack Campbell at the top of you know round two, or maybe I think they had a, another second round pick, they pick Campbell, an off ball linebacker um, who's who's good, but uh, isn't you know a kind of transcendent linebacking talent. He's going to be really good there for a really long time. Um, but do I think he's an All Pro? No. Do I think he's a Pro Bowler? Maybe eventually. It's just all of that combined with the positions that they chose at linebacker and running back two low value positions that I feel like you could have made that up elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to kind of step in and defend the pride of Cedar Falls, Iowa as well. Mm. Shout out to Jack surprise, Campbell. surprise. <laughs> yeah. My, my dad, my dad kept texting me throughout the draft. He's like, has Jack Campbell been selected yet? I'm like, why do you care? And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> duh. I'm like, you watched him play football for four years. So, Oh yeah. Again, I, I'm kind of like what like what Sam said. It's like his his frame is interesting. It's 6'5", 250. You know, it's like it's not archaic, but we're seeing linebackers getting smaller and getting faster. And I don't doubt that what he, like he's very good at what he does. But I will say it firsthand here. It's like as much as I love Iowa linebackers in college, Iowa linebackers have not translated well to the NFL very well over the last ten to fifteen years. Josie Jewell maybe being the one notwithstanding. Anthony Hitchens is very fine. Yeah, Sam's got his finger up. What we got? You're you're missing Chad Greenway, who did work Uh, out. Thank you very much. I was getting to Chad Greenway. (laughs) Okay. And I think Jack Campbell's ceiling might be Chad Greenway, which could be like a 10, 12, 14-year career guy. But, I mean, as good as Chad Greenway was, I think he was very unspectacular in the pros compared to what he did in college. I mean, even his peer, A.J. Hawk, was kind of that same way. But what I'm getting is that they're all kind of that same mold, you know, sort of that, like, old-school linebacker that don't necessarily quite have the athleticism that, like, the modern NFL linebacker needs. So I just thought it was a really interesting pick. Maybe Dan Campbell looks at this photo of Jack Campbell and he sees a young version of himself. Maybe Dan Campbell looks at Jack Campbell and sees the name Campbell and he's like, yo, I'm going to crack open that chunky soup and get going. Let's go. Well, and and there is the you know the shared last name coming from Iowa. Nepotism might be traveling now from the University of Iowa to Detroit. It wouldn't surprise me. It's it's spreading, and the the site of that obviously is is the terrible institution over there in Iowa City. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, nothing to say. All right, all right. Armando, do you do you have a guy? Yeah, the worst pick of the draft was uh, Bryce. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Sure. Too small. Too small, okay. Bryce Young. Right. Too small. Who is it actually? No, actually Give I us think, the, the real answer. Uh, you know, there, there actually are a few that I, I, I didn't enjoy um, making. Making runner up was uh, was Quinton Johnson 
Johnston going to the Chargers. Yeah. I thought there was a lot of smoke there with Patrick Mahomes throwing to Quinn Johnston and like trying to like boost his stock when of course we're going to talk about day two. Uh, but anyway, that that was my runner up. But actually, I think I think Paris Johnson was kind of weird at, at at six to the Arizona Cardinals because uh, Sam, I know I know you liked Peter Skoronsky number one, but I think we also liked Darnell Wright or at least someone else number two to Paris Johnson. Unless did you have Johnson I, number I two on your board Jones for tackle? Two. Project Jones two okay and then you had Paris Jones three or sorry Paris Johnson three correct okay yeah I, I just feel like a lot of people that I listen to like you like Sam Kuyper Jr. like oh sorry <laughs> whoa now I'm calling Mel Sam yeah Yikes. he's second fiddle look at me. that Freudian yes. slip yeah that's that, that that's how much I admire your mock Sam my brain is uh, growing like Sam Mel um, <laughs> all, all these guys that I was listening to like none of them had Paris Johnson number one and I'm sure like like he fits Arizona's scheme but at the same time I'm confused as to why Arizona is is stockpiling picks for next year's draft. But why are you stockpiling picks and then also picking a tackle to protect Kyler Murray? Like like what what is what is the Arizona Cardinals trying to do next year? Are they trying to tank for Caleb Williams and go for, you know, and and ditch Kyler Murray or, you know, what exactly is going on? So I feel like this move was specifically for Kyler Murray, but at the same time they they could have, you know, they they could have dropped back even further in the draft to then get more capital for next year. So I I feel like one Paris Johnson's not the best tackle in the draft. And two, it doesn't make any sense for Arizona to do that right now when they seem to be stockpiling, but they're also going to help Kyler Murray. It's just, it's very confusing in an organization that just seems to be the new laughing stock of the NFL. Well, I mean, I, th- I think part of it has to do with, like I said earlier, is that like this is like the most middling, decent pool of draft talent I can remember. Because like outside of the tight end class, which yeah was like historically stacked with talent, like the wide receiver group was all very B plus fine. The offensive tackles were all very like B plus fine. The quarterbacks, even yeah, there were a lot of B plus quarterbacks, but they were fine. And I think that's kind of what you looked at with the offensive tackles. It's like I mean, we'll, we'll touch down later on this later, but you know the Chiefs picking up someone at OT that was kind of like well. He's not the guy that I would have thought would get picked jumping up in the second round to that slot. But, like, does it make a difference? Is it coming down to preference with a lot of these guys? And maybe with, like, Paris Johnson, there's just something they see with this guy that they thought, yeah, he might not grade the best in this draft, but this is the one we like that fits our system the most. I don't know. Yeah, and I think my problem is I I did have Johnson – lower he just has some bad habits he has the physical traits that you want um but he needs he needs to break some bad habits that he just hasn't and um my biggest problem was you know arizona traded back from three with houston to pick 12 and then traded up with detroit so to armando's point exactly to Armando's point, why trade up there? If you're worried about, you know, hey, we need depth. Like, I'm fairly certain if you put the Eagles backups against the Cardinals starters, that the Eagles are winning that game at this point because of how yep. bad no doubt. The, the not only the starters are, but the depth in Arizona is just terrible. You need picks. You need young guys to come in. And they did a great job accumulating talent, getting a first round pick from the Texans. But then just stay back at 12. If you need to move up a few picks, you're hopefully not paying as high of a premium. 
trading him, and you're still able to to get Paris Johnson or or maybe at that point. You know, Skaronsky went 11th, so maybe the Titans do something different if Paris Johnson is on the board. I just don't get trading all the way up to six. I don't like that move very much. So I'm with you, Armando, in terms of, of not necessarily loving that pick, um, despite liking what Arizona did to get more draft picks for, for next year. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily make any sense unless they're like, for sure, still going to tank. And it's like, wink, wink, this is going to be for Caleb Williams next year, which is just, it's, it's going to be quite a messy situation because I don't know what the contract is for Kyler, but they just extended him yeah. two years ago. So I don't know how you get off the contract. Very, very, very messy. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Not so messy is uh, is the best value pick. And here, we don't really have to go through three different ones. Sam, tell us why the Eagles win the best value pick of day one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the elephant in the room. Um, it's Jalen Carter. It's, it's, it's Athens North. It's Nolan Smith. Um, they, they just get two really good players. Um, past the point where they should have been picked. And, you know, I know that Reese might want to to give a, an impassioned speech about Howie Roseman and <laughs> and really what he's doing, if anything. But cracking I, his knuckles and everything the, over there. Yeah. I'm giving I'm giving the guy credit based on what we have available and what we have available is these guys were on the board and he submitted the pick and that's ultimately all we can all we can judge on that's the criteria that we have and you know sure there are some personality or character questions with Jalen Carter but the Eagles I think have a really strong locker room with really strong leadership and I think he's he was number two on my board um, for a reason he was one of the only blue chip prospects um in this draft and the Eagles get in and it's just it's it drives me nuts because I don't like Philly I don't like Philly fans um and they just keep getting these guys they keep surrounding um their core with more core and it's just driving me crazy so so Philly certainly I think for for day one got got the best value Reese I want your rebuttal as to why Howie Roseman's the worst GM in the NFL I mean that's (laughs) stretching a little bit far but I mean so first thing I will say is like cool the genius talks just because like Sam said it's like these guys are right in front of him Oh my gosh, blue chip player right in front of me. I'm not going to pick the blue chip player. I'm going to pick somebody else. Like, what do you expect them to do? This isn't some genius move. The best move he's ever done was getting AJ Brown. That was a finessing. I will give him that one. Uh, but here's my cautionary tale. This is going to be a little bit of the pot calling the kettle black here because Philly's system right now is just stack talent, stack the best players available on the board. Doesn't matter if they gel with us. That's just going to be our thing. We're just going to get the most talented players from the biggest name schools. And that's fine. It's kind of hypocritical of me because the chief system for the better part of the last two, maybe three drafts has been, you know, find the guys with the best RAS scores. And we trust that like our coaching staff can coach them up. We're talking dudes like Pacheco, Nazi Johnson, a lot of those Mm -hmm. rookie cornerbacks Mm -hmm. last year. But this is where I have to say what Howie Roseman is doing is a bit of a cautionary tale, and I'm going to call it Clyde Edwards-Alaire syndrome. 
Now, Clyde Edwards-Alaire got the benefit of the doubt being drafted because he was part of that super historic LSU offense, man, featuring high flyers like Joe Joe, Burrow, Joe Burrow, uh, Jamar Chase, uh, Justin Jefferson, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Mm. But as we see in instances like that, you have to be careful because there's always at least one person who's really not contributing to the group project but is putting their name on it and gets credit for the grade when it's all said and done. So by taking all of these Georgia players as a whole, particularly these Georgia D linemen, statistically speaking, one or two of them are just attaching their name to the project <laughs> and they're being carried by the rest of the group. So who is it? Is, yeah, who, yes. who is who is the, the <laughs> are you saying Jalen Carter is overrated and he's a talentless hack who's gonna burn out Albert Hainsworth? Whoa, zero, zero to 60 there. Mr. Uh, no, I, I, I think there's I think the Nolan fire. Smith, there's the fire, Sam. Keep it. I'm a little sus on Nolan Smith, to be honest. Okay. You know, I, I don't, it, it's kind of hard to explain, but watching Jalen Carter, yeah, I think Jalen Carter's the Larry Tunsil of this. You know, we're like, I think that dude's going sure. one or two if he doesn't like hit some dude going 170 in a Jeep Trackhawk. But, right. you know, <laughs> Nolan Smith, the rest of these guys. How good is Georgia's secondary actually? Do they have time to guard their dudes just because you have Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter getting to the quarterback in like 1.5 seconds? Mm, something to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Go ahead, Armando. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So J- Jalen Carter is like one of the you know best athletes in the draft. I actually had him over Will Anderson. I think he's a freak. Like sure. A lot of a lot of things that you just you can't teach. Is is incredibly athletic. Gets to the quarterback. Got a motor. He's huge. Um, Nolan Smith. Like if you if you look at Nolan Smith's tape from a year ago, it was very impressive. And of course, he has the injury. So so we don't see a lot of Nolan Smith last year. But I think from what we saw, like he. He's incredible. Sometimes he even outshines Jalen Carter um, in the tape previous. So I think I think the Eagles get a really good pick. I know that uh, I know Sam texted um, uh, Eagles Twitter that said what would it say the Philadelphia Bulldogs or the yeah. uh, the Georgia Eagles? It, they're just really milking the that the Georgia connection here. And you know what? I and get it. If, and if half your defensive starters are from the University of Georgia, I mean, I guess you've earned that right. And 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 here's my my anti or or, or here's my con argument to what Reese had said about um, about look like there's got to be one guy that's going to fall I feel like Okay, so Georgia, Alabama, right? They have a ton of five-star talent. In fact, Georgia is uh, Georgia didn't have the most five-star recruits. I think they were number two to uh, to Alabama or somebody else. Um, I feel like, and, and I think this is true. I think that the high school metrics are getting a lot better and like five-star recruits are actually transcending into the draft. Like you're seeing a lot more of the five-star recruits go in the first round. And I feel like college and NFL are, are, sorry, I feel like the NFL scouts are finally like paying more attention to those five-star recruits and seeing that translate into the draft. So when, when like Harry Roseman goes, you know what, forget it. Let's just, let's just draft from Georgia. Like there's actually a method to that madness because Georgia has done the homework. Like Georgia has all these five-star recruits that are amazing. Um, after the, after the 2021 national championship game, Daniel, Daniel Jeremiah, one of the NFL guys jokingly tweeted, he was like, draft all these guys. He's like, I'm not, but like in reality, they ended up drafting all these guys because I feel like, you know, the, the, the metrics, the the high school tape, all this stuff is getting a lot better and more accessible. And um, 
and is finally translating to the NFL. Like there's definitely this this different tier that's happening. So hats off to the Eagles. I think I think it's I think it's working. Like if 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 I'm the Chiefs, draft Georgia from now on, draft Alabama from now on, and and I guess we're kind of doing that with Oklahoma and Tennessee. But like screw it, let's let let's go the same route. Well, that's a really good point. I'm glad you tacked that on to the end because, yeah, if we're going to be like, let's draft Oklahoma and Tennessee linemen, then, yeah, I suppose like there might be some credence to drafting like all Georgia all the time or whatever it is. I don't know. I feel like there's a period of time where the Patriots are doing nothing but drafting Alabama players. I don't feel like that quite panned out for them, did it? Yeah, Alabama's a little different. Yeah, Alabama, I feel like it's not translating as much, but Georgia is just it that 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 twenty twenty one defense is a different beast. So Stetson Bennett is gonna rock, is what you're telling me. No. I said I said defense. I said defense. defense. I agree with Armando with Armando. We saw a generational defense come in, in, in college football. Um, that was one of the best defenses in uh, college football history, I would say. And those guys are good. I, I feel like it's okay to say that they're good, and it sucks that they're all playing for Philly. <laughs> I know, that really sucks. Yep, we hate Philly on this pod, but okay, good job. Um, okay, we're, we're spending a lot of time on, on round one, but again, it was so fascinating that I'm okay spending a lot of time on it. Um, is there anything else that I missed that you guys want to talk about from round one, like Bijan or anything else like that? Oh, yeah, I, I got one question for you. This is uh, specifically from a Chiefs perspective. I'd be, I'd be curious to get Sam's opinion on this as well. Oh, sorry. Let's talk about Chiefs, too. And we can talk about Jordan Addison. Oops. Well, I mean, we, we, can, talk about the, we can talk about the Chiefs more down the line, you know, in a different episode. Uh, but in particular, if this draft was not in Kansas City, do you think the Chiefs would have traded out of the first round? Or do you think they actually would have picked Felix Sanzaki Uzama? A thousand percent, they would have traded down. I think so too. I think I think Uzama is great, but look at who was in round two. There was so much great talent in round two. Like you know, Joey. Po- I don't want to spoil the you know round two, but look, Joey Potter, Michael Mayer, Sam Laporta, Jonathan Mingo, Ojalari. Like just so many great players that maybe don't have like round one grades, but like high round two grades or like even low round one grades. That if this was not in Kansas City. Man, if we if we could have had two round two picks, uh, so yes, one hundred percent, Reese. That's a great great point. Yeah, Sam. I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that when they picked, um, and and I, I laughed even more when I saw. Oh, it's it's the the local guy too. It's the hometown um, guy. Yeah. So and and you know maybe it's um, not what you would have done in a different scenario. But do you really want to be? You know, imagine imagine you're in, in Boston and Bill Belichick is about to accept a trade to trade out and and you know, Robert Kraft and the PR team come up and say, Hey, no, you gotta make this pick. Um, you know, the draft is in Boston, we can't let all these fans down and Bill goes, I'm gonna do whatever I wanna do and, and this is gonna be, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna make this trade. And then they make the trade and because he, he he has no soul and he doesn't care about the fans. So I I do think that they probably were gonna trade out, they were gonna move back and they could have gotten um they could have gotten Felix at a, another point. They didn't have to Necessarily, and that's a hot spot too, because teams teams want that last pick because they want that control, that fifth year option. So mm-hmm. um, I am I I am usually a skeptic for your conspiracy theories, but this one I I can subscribe <laughs> to. Love to hear it. I mean, did well and. and- 
And actually, to to Reese's point, Veach did say that that they did get offers, mm-hmm. and I could be paraphrasing this quote, but he said. He said we were getting offers too low, like in the low forties for that pick. Yeah, with low forties, low forties is Keon White, Brian Branch, Cody Mock, yeah. uh, J- Jaden Reed. Like these are great. Cam Smith. These are great players. So I'm I'm upset, and and they did this all for you, Reese, because you were at the draft. You're making noise <laughs> at the draft. They did it for you. So as as long as none of these day two guys that could have been the chief. As long as they don't become Hall of Famers or like Pro Bowlers, then I'm going to be fine with that. Unfortunately, chances are one of these guys is, and I'm going to be pissed off about it. Oh, well. I'll say the thing that bums me out most, I don't know if you guys saw this, is that, you know, so A, I really would have liked to see the Chiefs in this instance, if they had to have picked the first round pick, to be like, screw it, here's a package of three picks, we're going to move up to someone in like the early 20s to get someone like we really want to get. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I heard they kind of did something like that. Like they, there were they a lot tried, of calls to right. Dallas to get Moz, uh, They wanted to move up to get Mozzie Smith, but when Dallas heard that's what they were after, they're like, uh, "No, we're getting Mozzie Smith." And just we like, want Mozzie, up. Yeah. oh, you heard we were trying to get Mozzie Smith. Yeah, Chiefs, Chiefs were trying to get Mozzie Smith. Oh, I didn't know that. Dude, him and Chris Jones yeah. on the inside would have been yes. like a cheat code. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. So I, I appreciate that, but like, if you really wanted Mozzie Smith, like, why didn't you try and trade up? With like the Giants at twenty four or the Vikings at twenty three or not, not one of these AFC teams who's not going to field your calls in the first round, but uh, that, that's like that's like my one gripe in the first round was just like I really yeah. wish they would have traded up. Well, and I, I do wonder, uh, and maybe this is the segue to, to the Vikings. The Vikings pick went down to the wire. They went, they used up that entire clock. And I think I, we talked about it ad nauseum that the, what I wanted for the Vikings was if you want to be aggressive and one of those top three quarterbacks falls, sure, why not go get your guy? But if not, I was really in favor of trading back because Levis. because no, not Levis, not Hooker. Sure. Um, trade <laughs> trade back, accumulate picks. You used your second to get Hawkinson, so. If the Chiefs were interested, um, I think that maybe in our conspiracy theory, we can say, well, Veach was probably on the phone with Quasey and Quasey was saying, I need a little yeah, bit more. Tried, yeah. Don't you want the fans to be happy and excited? A, a big, dramatic trade. The, the, the Kansas City folks can cheer. Who's it going to be? And they didn't do it because they probably didn't want to pay what Quasey wanted them to. I'll go one step deeper on this comp- uh, conspiracy theory and say that like the commissioner <laughs> was like, Clark, you have to stay at the last pick of the first round draft to keep as many people on here like as possible because they were for I, Fallout Boy. I mean, well, so some of my <laughs> friends were selected as seat fillers for Fallout Boy because there were so many people. Really? Leaving. So, oh, dude, dude, this is breaking news well, on Fancy Sports Media. I cannot tell you. I don't know if this translated on TV, but I cannot express how many Chiefs fans were there at the draft. And if the Chiefs yeah, moved no, it up like to it. like 20 and you still have like an hour to 90 minutes of film left to like fill, that yeah. dude, a lot of those people were probably going to go start oh, drinking yeah. after that. So I would not be surprised yeah. if Goodell's like, hey, Clark, with the 31st pick of the NFL draft, you should stay where you are. Yeah, don't move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So. Well, super conspiracy. What if then Goodell's like, I'll I'll let you pick. You know what what game is week one? What game is week six? What game is week eleven? Possible. 
Look at look at us getting Sam to wear a tinfoil hat. Mm, Congratulations, love Sam. Love it. Yeah. To feels, a, feels good. To a, to a take your tinfoil hat off. Sam, tell us what you think about Jordan Addison joining the Vikings. Well, once the Vikings submitted their pick, I was like, okay, I want someone, a defensive playmaker. I was thinking Deontay Banks, who I think went the pick after them to the Giants. I think the Giants traded up with Jacksonville. Uh, yep. Yep, 25, correct. Yep, so I, I like Deontay Banks. Um, I was also maybe thinking Mozzie Smith. I was thinking, you know, maybe Miles Murphy or or um, uh, the, plenty of other different people. Or if you did look on offense, the one position where I was like, okay, this would be fine was wide receiver. Especially because the run had started. You had seen JSN go. You had seen Johnson go. You had seen Flowers go. And I really like Jordan Addison. He was my receiver, too. Um, and it, I think he is a wide receiver, too, in the more, you know, the, the way we talk about, oh, he's a wide receiver, too. Jordan Addison is mm-hmm. built to be in an offense where he's a high-end wide receiver, two option. And there is no other, yeah, there is no other bigger wide receiver one (laughs) right now than Justin Jefferson. So it's a perfect fit. I really like it. I think it it helps me feel better about, you know, saying goodbye to Adam Thielen, um, parting ways there. That now, you know, Kirk, Kirk has weapons. Um, Kirk has Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson. Um, We'll see what happens with Dalvin Cook. Um, But, they have weapons at their disposal um, to, to still be competitive on offense uh, this this upcoming season. So what, what did you guys think? Did you think it was a wise pick? or? Yeah, no, I'd, I'll, I'll jump in because I, I, I watch a lot of SC play because sure. I'm, I'm a big SC fan. That's where my dad went to school. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think Jordan Addison – not that he gets a bad rap, but I feel like people attribute his success to Caleb Williams over himself. But like, dude is fast. He's very elusive. Like you, you can have Caleb Williams, but but you have to have, uh, but you have to have like a Tyree Kill to to complement a Patrick Mahomes being you know crazy on the field and making plays. And I feel like not that Jordan Addison is a one for one for Tyree Kill, sure. but he's a great route runner. He's very elusive. He's super fast. Like I know he ran I forget like he ran a four or five or something, but he runs faster than whatever his combine time was. Mm-hmm. So I, I love Jordan Addison and you can call me a homer, but I think it and I think it's a great fit for you guys. Like you said, it's like it's everything that you could have dreamed of to to then plug him in for Adam Thie because like JSN is more of a wide receiver one I personally that's what I think so I think like Addison just fits perfectly and and I guess Zay Flowers is a little similar but but I like I I give Jordan Addison the edge over Zay although I know people liked Zay a little bit more uh but yeah great great pick for you guys I think it's gonna be great so I got got a question then so which Vikings tandem has the higher ceiling Carter Moss or Jefferson Addison I feel like I can't. <laughs> I can't go against Carter Moss what? at this point. Um, yeah, it's just like <laughs> Carter at that. Reese trying wins. to stoke flames here. Yeah, Carter's a Hall of Famer. Moss. Moss is Moss a Hall of Famer? Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. Oh, he's got to be. A he Hall better of be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I should know that. Uh, I should know that with more confidence than what I just said. But maybe it's because the Vikings <laughs> haven't gotten around to retiring the number eighty-four yet, which they absolutely should. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, Randy Moss was just a transcendent talent that you're not going to see like ever again. So 
probably that, but I the locking up Jefferson under a contract that's going to make me flinch will be more palatable knowing, hey, we got a cheap rookie deal <laughs> with Jordan Addison yeah. who's going to be really productive for us for five years. Um, just ha- and having that in your back pocket is always a, a nice consolation. And TJ still on his rookie deal or no? TJ is, but he's. I think this is his fifth year. Um, oh, so okay. he'll be doing new contracts. It's now, baby. Right, which is why the Lions didn't want to pay him, so they traded him. And he played well for the Vikings. I really like him. I Even for a, a Hawkeye, I afforded him amnesty for his past crimes. And he, <laughs> he played really well despite picking up the playbook halfway through the season. So I'm excited to, to see him with a full offseason under his belt. But before we go into day two, um, Sam, give us give us an elevator pitch for Uzama for the Kansas City Chiefs. I I, I know we're going to break it down next week, but just give us a just give a, a, a quick snippet as to why we should be excited. Yeah, he's he's a worker, absolutely. Um, when I was talking, Reese actually uh, brought him up in in the last pod because he's the local guy, and Reese is clairvoyant. And Reese also probably didn't want to talk about an, he didn't want to talk about an Iowa State prospect because of his his bias. Um, so we talked about Felix <laughs> instead. Yeah, and you know he he doesn't have the kind of get off that um, that you see sometimes in these really top tier prospects. That's not to say he's slow. He just doesn't have the burst that some of the top tier guys have. Um, but he he plays hard. He's uh, varied with his his uh, rushing attacks. So uh, he's going to be a, a physical power rusher um, who's going to come in and, and be a reliable guy. Is he gonna is he gonna wow you? No, but he's probably going to be a really good football player for a long time. So I, I think if you're looking for consistency, if you're looking for dependability. Absolutely, uh, he's he's a solid he's a solid fit. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've we've spent a lot of time on on round one, but again, a lot of great content here. Sam, thanks for being here. Um, so what we're going to do is we're actually going to break up these podcasts. This is going to be episode one. Um, so we're going to finish off this podcast. Thank you again for listening. Um, stay tuned because right right after this podcast, we're going to do another podcast doing day two, looking at uh, the second round, and the third round. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to this pod, Sam. Thanks for being on the pod, and we'll see you next time. Go Chiefs! We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content, including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at FountainCitySportsMedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. 